All right. Well, welcome to another episode of the Newt News Podcast. We have a lot of stuff to cover today, some non-news and some real news. We have the Tyler O'Neill trade. Uh, we have some weird stuff that went up. Oh, wait, hold up. Uh, is there updates on a flight right now? Or, oh, wait. Oh, no. It was it was just John Morosi reporting stuff that wasn't true. So, Sorry to sorry to bait you with the with the news button there. It seems the theme of the day. But yeah, so we've so some Shohei non-news to talk about all kinds of things. So we'll get into it off the top, but we wanted to re- real quick off the top talk about um, our membership stuff here on the channel now. And so we've started a Discord, and we would love to talk Cardinals baseball um, with any of you that want to jump in. <laughs> 60 day IL. Oh gosh, that's the passing news right there. Um, so. If you want to become a member of the channel, you can go to the very top um, on usually on the web browser is the best way to do it. If you're in the app, it's not always there. Um, and you can join at any membership level. You'll get a link to our discord. And you can join us to talk Cardinal baseball all the time. Ask us further questions throughout the week and interact with us as we just chat Cardinal baseball all the time. And then there's other perks as well as you go up the higher tiers. Um, we've got different ways to um, interact with us, request articles over at Redbird Rants. Um, different fun things over there. So you can see all the perks on there. Um, and then we're going to do a giveaway as well. So from now till the end of the month, anyone who joins our membership channel um, or mem- becomes a member here, Kareem, what's up, man? I'm so glad you made it. Uh, we'll talk prospects with you soon. Um, but anyone who becomes a member, uh, we're going to give away merch at the end of the month. And so if you become a member this month, you'd be entered into that giveaway. So all that stuff off the top to say, there's a lot of news to talk about today. Let's. We should probably start with the Tyler O'Neill stuff, right? Or do we want to like keep Mimi Morosi for like another ten minutes? What do you guys want to do? We'll go with Tyler O'Neill. We're Cardinals pod, so um, <laughs> I, I know I got I know I got the wrong jersey on, but um, I had to for tonight. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll start with Tyler O'Neill. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so the news of the day, obviously, is Tyler O'Neill. Tyler O'Neill was traded to the Boston Red Sox. Um, that the trade was coming for a while. We all saw it coming. Uh, John Mazuck, the winter meetings kind of airmailed it, um, let everyone in baseball know. Um, and they got Nick Robertson and Victor Santos in return. Um, so two, one interesting arm that's gotten some appearances at the big league level as well. And we can get more into his profile, um, during the episode. And then, um, Santos didn't pitch, um, in baseball or in major league baseball or minor league baseball this past year. Um, he's a organizational depth arm. He's been pitching in the winter league or winter ball. And so, um, we'll see kind of what happens at that. So when you guys saw the trade go off, let's just start with that. What were your initial reactions while there was debate back and forth between Bob Nightingale and random Toronto people and John Barossi. We got this Heyman bomb of Tyler O'Neill, the Red Sox. What'd you guys think? Yeah, I was in the process of making a meme about uh, Shohei Otani being in Arby's instead of being in Toronto. Um, and then I saw <laughs> that and I was like, there's no way, right? Tyler O'Neill just got traded. So that was um, my initial reaction. Um, and I was like, yeah, it's pretty good. Honestly, I take pretty much anything you get for Tyler O'Neill. He seems to be um, not too like in tune with the clubhouse culture right now. Um, there seems to be a lot of friction between him and the front office. So um, only one more year left on his deal. It's not like an Alec Manoa situation where you have several more years to bounce back from all of this uh, controversy that's going on. So at this point, I saw Tyler O'Neill was trade. I was like, good. Um, we finally got that out of the way. We can use that salary to go and sign more relievers, more starting pitchers or whatever um, we want to go and get. And anything we get back, if there's any like plus side to it, that's that's just icing on the cake. So um initially reactions we didn't even know what we got back um and i was like good good stuff yeah 
Yeah. I mean, for me, it's not necessarily frustration with this trade itself. Like everything I'm hearing, and I know Kareem um, did some analysis earlier. So did Blake, uh, if you follow his stuff, and Kyle. Um, it seems like, you know, Robertson's a really good ad for the organization. And that's all fine. I'm not upset with this trade. It just, this whole saga with Tyler O'Neill has really sucked. Yeah. Um, and he just like, I know every organization has this pile of players where it's like, wow, they're really guys they come up they're exciting and then it's like what happened um but it just feels like the cardinals have a lot and just in the last decade it's like great um we saw alex reyes like time and again something it's always something uh with tyler o'neill ever since 2021 it's always something you know carlos martinez shelby miller michael waka even like his development was totally stunted um by that injury in 2013 like or 2014 it's always something with these guys I just wish the Cardinals could catch a freaking break and it just makes me upset. So it sucks the whole way this went down. Um, obviously it's the right baseball move to dump that salary right now. You don't know what Tyler O'Neill is going to give you this year. You need the pitching depth. Um, but yeah, it's just really frustrating to see the organization like whiff on these big players who I'm so enamored with. Like I love Tyler O'Neill. I love watching him play baseball. It was so much fun in 2021. Like just what a glorious run. Mm-hmm. And for that to end two years later in this kind of just, Everyone was done with it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a little upset. Not about this, just the whole thing. Yeah, I agree. It's, we were talking in the, in our little group chat before this, that it's like all the top prospects that were supposed to be really good for the Cardinals seem to have flamed out over the last five, six, seven years. And then it's like the new bars and the Donovans that are the ones who end up being like great. Um, But then you, I mean, Colby Rasmus is a, is a way, way long back, but like, it's like the Colby Rasmuses, the Tyler O'Neills, the Shelby Millers, the uh, yeah. uh, why am I blinking on more guys like Carlos? Eh, Carlos Martinez worked out. Um, Michael Waka, um, to just varying degrees. Like I, they just never really panned out to be the kind of guy that they they thought they had in them. And and this one's frustration on both ends. Like there's things about Tyler that again, it's hard to know from our perspective what that relationship with the organization was like and how much of it was really on him versus on the club, but clearly neither side was making it work out. Um, and it just feels like there's so much wasted potential there. And now he's 28, which he's, I mean, he's still got time to figure things out, but um, you kind of just expected more from him, especially after that 2021 season. Like I came into 2022 and he was, I probably rode the the hype too hard, but he was my dark host, dark horse MVP guy. It was like, oh my gosh, you have Goldschmidt, O'Neal, Arnado batting back to back to back. Um, even this past year, I was like, man, the pressure's off him. They have so many different bats that they can rely on. So he can just kind of come into the lineup and figure out what to do. Um, and it's, it's crazy too, even though like he, what he never stays healthy, which is the big problem with him when he's on the field, like his, OP, his, his ability at the play has fallen off the last two years. And it's kind of weird. He's gotten less aggressive and I think he's trying to, trying to cut down the strikeouts, but it's actually kind of diminished his power and the, in the ability that he has at the plate. But um, he's still a productive player. He's such a good defender, even when he's getting called out for his hustle, like he's a good base runner. And so even in 70 games, he's putting up a decent war and he's a player that you probably want playing left field. And so it just, it's frustrating to sell low on a guy like that because you kind of like, you just kind of think he's going to be, end up being really good somewhere else. And I'm okay with that. Like if, if O'Neill ends up mashing with the Red Sox, like it's going to be really frustrating. I'm going to be really sad about it. But at the same time, like, I just I love the guy. I think he's gonna be awesome, and it just made sense for both sides to move on from it at this point. And yeah. I, I can't be too upset about the package they got in return either. I I was actually I'm glad I didn't do it now because it would have aged a little poorly. Um, but I was looking at the Alex Verdugo trade, 
And I was just kind of like, if the Red Sox can that, get that much for Verdugo, which I know he's healthier, but he's not anywhere close to the defender that Tyler O'Neill is. N- nowhere close to the speed guy Tyler O'Neill is. And he's just a better player in general. And just so I would be like, okay, I get the injury concerns, but I'd much rather have Tyler O'Neill than Alex Verdugo. So I kind of thought comparably they could get the same kind of stuff in return. They got less, and that's okay. But at this point, I don't know how anyone can be frustrated with the kind of return they got. And we could talk more about the actual bullpen additions or bullpen addition they got and pitcher they got in return. But anything else about just moving on from O'Neill that you guys want to cover before we look at like the return? Yeah, all this proves oh. okay. Oh, all this proves is that Nick Dunn is better than Mason Wynn. <laughs> Nick Dunn. Yeah, at this rate. With the Cardinals' history, that's what's going to happen. Mason Wynn's going to be horrible. Nick Dunn's going to be an all-star. But so we have to trade adding, Jordan Walker, and we have to trade like all of those top prospects. Victor Scott's going to bust like all of those guys. Let's just trade them all. all. That's what I'm yeah. hearing. And if they trade Michael McGreevy, he's going to be Sandy Alcantara or something. It's just, uh, that's just how it always happens. Um, the other thing I was going to add in, too, is I was starting to convince myself, too, that like it wouldn't have been a terrible idea to have Tyler O'Neill back, too, because he would probably have been like the eighth hitter and play really good defense, which they needed to. But um, So I, I really like this for the Red Sox. I think it's a perfect buy low for them. Um, I think he's a guy that can really mash in Fenway. But random thought with that. Yeah, I'll just put it up here real quick. Uh, thank Kenny for the for our very first super chat. Thanks for the th- for the comment. We appreciate it. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, so let's let's talk a little about the return, and then we've got some questions coming in about um, the Cardinals bullpen in general. Which I think let's let's wait to get on that, just because we could probably expand on that a little bit further. Um, so a quick um, little note about their return on the package. So again. Um, the Cardinals got back Nick Robertson and Victor Santos in return. So the guy that's going to be the the big addition that people are going to be talking about is Robertson. Um, you look at his like numbers on the surface this year. He only threw 20 innings for the Red Sox and Dodgers combined, and it wasn't pretty. He had an over six ERA. Um, but when he got traded to the Red Sox um, in the Kiki Hernandez trade, um, he made two appearances with them, got sent down to AAA, and then there's this really good article that I shared on my Twitter if you want to go check it out. Um, where basically the Red Sox did some work with him. He was kind of known as a changeup guy, and he basically doesn't throw a changeup anymore. They added a sweeper in on his arsenal. They kind of changed where he stands on the rubber and did a little mechanical tweaking, um, and it's helped him out a ton. His his sweeper graded out top 10 in baseball and stuff. Plus, it was really small sample size, though, so I don't think anyone can expect that out of him, but it was a good sweeper for someone who just learned it or at least just started bringing it, really bringing it into his arsenal. And then I was looking and he made, I believe, six appearances or seven appearances, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven appearances at the end of September um, when he came back up and he had six scoreless outings um, and only gave, he had just one kind of bad outing against the Rangers where it was kind of like a, a blowout game. They lost 15 to five. They had him throw two innings and give up five runs, but otherwise he was shut out the whole time. Um, I think I saw from um, Cardinals Reek on Twitter that his fastball and sweeper only grade behind Helsley out of all the current current bullpen yeah. arms the Cardinals have. So, like, he's a guy where I I want the Cardinals targeting guys who have good stuff and project out. And I'm kind of sick of the guys where they, like, like the Dakota Hudson's of the world where they're getting the results, but all the underlying numbers are showing that this guy isn't actually all that good. And he's not really matching up with today's game. Like, he kind of, has the profile he's six six and as a guy that you expect 
he like has the profile needed to be an impactful reliever in this bullpen. Now, as we get into the bullpen talk, I don't think anyone can expect him or should expect him. And the Cardinals cannot make him their third most important bullpen arm on opening day. Like that's asking way too much of him, but is like one of the guys in the mix that could earn a deeper, a bigger role in the bullpen as the season goes on. I really liked it. And you've got six years of control with him too, which I think is a game changer too. Yeah. I see people looking at uh, this guy's major league stats and being like, Oh, he was terrible. But Let's not forget, um, we, we made this mistake once before with Jojo Romero, um, pulling up his numbers in Philly in 25 outings. He had a 7.89 ERA, and he's slow, uh, quickly become one of our most trusted high leverage left-handed op- options out of the bullpen. So just because someone didn't have it in their first like 20 or so appearances in the big leagues doesn't mean they're not going to have it for the rest of their career. Like This guy could definitely become a solid major league reliever, especially with all that, that good stuff that, that he's built up with the Red Sox. So um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't question this that much. Yeah. We'll and quick, quick note, a Keith asked how much this saves um, the projection for Tyler O'Neill and arbitration is about five and a half million. Um, so that's a, about five and a half million off the payroll um, right now. Yeah. Um, do we want to we'll address Kareem's question real quick? Well, what do we think of the Cardinals bullpen? Um, and if they'll add a Maton Hicks type um, and if that's good enough. Um, so um, there were reports that the Cardinals were in talks with Phil Maton earlier this week. Um, those are all pretty much debunked by the the top tier Cardinals writers um, throughout the throughout the winter meetings. Um, so I feel like adding one of those guys isn't enough. But if we add like two of them, like one right handed high leverage arm and then a left-handed high leverage arm. I think we have the, have the ability to do it. I'm really starting to question whether or not this team is going to add another starter. Um, It seems like they're trending in the direction of not adding another starter, which is pretty frustrating. We're going to go into the next season with another like middle of the road rotation and then patch of the trade deadline. Um, I I don't know how, how much that will fix um, if we don't end up getting another starter, but if we don't, I feel like we definitely have to add um, two more high leverage arms if not, maybe we can we can scrape by by like moving mats to the bullpen or something. But other than that, I don't I don't think um, one is just enough. Hmm. Um, I I think a Maton or a Hicks type works. Um, oh, bye, Sandy. Maybe we'll see him back at some point. Um, I, so to answer Cream's question, there, I like the idea if you bring in one of them. Um, I think it, I think it makes the Cardinals bullpen. Com- I'm confident in going into opening day. I'd say probably the reason, main reason why with that too. And I, I'm obviously not opposed to them adding a bunch of arms, but if it means that they would be able to potentially add more, like go after maybe a rotation arm, um, to pull off a cease or a glass now type trade or do something creative with the Marlins and the Mariners, I think that would be a better use of their time and energy. And then also with bullpens in general, they're like you're kind of playing mix and match throughout the year. And if you're a contender, you're usually looking to add a couple of bullpen arms anyways. And so like, you're like, they don't need to have their world, their playoff bullpen in place by opening day. Cause that's just never how it really works. And I know Kareem knows that too. I think, um, I like what I like with the deal that they pulled off today is I think it's strengthened like that fifth, sixth inning role for now too. But I think they still lack that like third back end of the uh, bullpen option, um, that's needed, especially with a guy like Helsley that just doesn't pitch back to back very often. Um, and then I really like Jojo, but at the same time, it's a kind of small sample size right now. And 
Zach Thompson could be back there, but I'm assuming they're probably to keep him stretched out. And as a, as the next man up in the rotation, Libertor looked pretty good as a reliever, but like, I don't trust him as a back in the rotate or back in the bullpen guy. Again, I like Gio, um, but he had a down year. So I think if you add in a Maton or a Hicks or someone in that realm, especially from the right side, I just think they have enough lefties at this point that I, would, I wouldn't bind Yuki Matsui at all, but I still think they have to add a righty at that point. Um, I think it's good enough. I'd be interested to see what Kareem thinks of that. Um, and again, seriously, Kareem, we had to have you on this soon to talk some prospect stuff. But um, I like I like where the Cardinals bullpen's trending right now. Sandy, what are you thinking, man? Is this is this working right now? I'm having some like really tough connection <laughs> issues. Uh, it's, really it's working right Sorry, now. Okay, good. Then I'll go. Um, I do think the bullpen is better than it was last year. At this point, right now, um, I think it's slightly better. There's a little more certainty here. I think there are more innings for sure. Um, you kind of you kind of know what you're going to get out of guys, especially more than you did last year um, with like a JoJo Romero. I'm sure he's been talked about. Um, so there's a little bit, especially at the back end too, there's a little more, but again, like they're, they can't be done with the bullpen right now. I would love to see the Phil Maton signing actually be real. I'm like really disappointed that someone jumped the gun on that. I really wanted that to be real. Um, but yeah, it's a little better. It's not good enough though. It's not, it's not a contender bullpen or anything like that. You're not able to shorten games right now um, because who's going to pitch the seventh, I guess, with a lead. Like that's a yeah. really tough question. That the Cardinals <laughs> just don't have an answer to right now. Yeah, which I mean, like in a perfect world when your entire bullpen's healthy, you've got JoJo, Gio, Ryan, but Helsley, but like most games, you're not going to have all those guys available, which is where yeah. it um, shrinks. But at the same time, like I think people are like, I, it's, I feel like every time they make a move, people think it's the last move that's going to happen. And again, they've been the most active and aggressive team, which means they could be done. But the way Mozilla keeps talking, it, especially at the bullpen, it seems like he is not content with what they have. Um, and I believe it was Derek Gold the other day. It might have been Katie Wu was reporting and Jeff or um, John Mosaic was talking about this idea that when they move Tyler O'Neill, it will give them clarity on how much they can either spend um, in free agency on another bullpen arm or um, what kind of bullpen or what kind of bullpen arm they need to add. And so I don't think they see Robertson as a guy that's like an established back end of the bullpen guy. I think they figured out, I think they got their second reliever that they wanted and now they still know they need to go get that Maton Hicks type guy. So assuming they do that, I think their bullpen is good. Like, or not like, like it's, it's good enough. Like it'll, it'll work. Um, and then you, you work at the deadline to try and figure out what patches you need or what holes you need to patch with that. Um, but at this point, I'm way more concerned about the raising the ceiling of the rotation because I'm, I'm, I would just be shocked if they don't go and get another reliever at this point. Also a quick note too, their payroll um, from what I've seen is below what it was last year right now. So like they've talked about raising the payroll and getting close to that $200 million number. And they're just above 170 right now. They're about 171. So, I mean, they could sit on their hands and do nothing from here, but it just, it would seem really odd to me with how they've approached the front end of the off season and with the flexibility they've said they have. Yeah, honestly, plenty of space for Yamamoto. I don't, I don't, I doubt it, but why not? He's growing on me. He's growing on me every single day. Like the okay. arguments that I've heard where it's, you just, you don't find guys with that stuff at that age that aren't locked up. Um, and it's just like, you don't, you don't see aces hit the market at 25. So 
I understand the whole, he hasn't pitched yet in MLB. Um, he hasn't thrown a single pitch in the show. I see those tweets. I get it. But yeah, he's really growing on me. The fact that you could lock up a guy that we know has ace stuff right now and he's 25 yeah. and have him for the next decade or whatever, however many years it takes to get him. Like that's the type of move to me that would signal the Cardinals want to win a world series. Yeah. Um, interesting notes of that too. John Heyman the other day, which I take this one with a grain of salt at least, but when he was talking about teams that are in on Yamamoto, which I think was yesterday, he did this on his live stream. He mentioned the Cardinals as one of them still. Um, and then Jeff Jones, I would say, who's probably been the out of all the Cardinals beat writers, maybe the most optimistic about the idea of Yamamoto coming to the Cardinals or them having a chance at him. He downplayed it more than he usually has, and he talked about how he couldn't confirm with the Cardinals, um, with his sources, if they were one of the mystery teams that he was meeting with, which to me, honestly, in some ways makes me feel like they could be because if they weren't, I feel like those anonymous sources would be talking to like, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be like leaving that up to debate there. Um, but maybe they're kind of doing the checking in and seeing how his market plays out. But at this point, if he's getting close to 300 million, he's not going to be lacking a suitor. So like they're either in or they're out. There's no like, so let's start, he'll circle back to us later because he didn't get the offer he wanted. Like Steve Cohen or Brian Cashman's going to give it to him. Um, so I, I, I still highly doubt it, but I'm not ruling it out. But, my eyes are more toward the Rays with Tyler Glass now or um, White Sox with Dylan Cease. For sure, for sure. Do we think an outfielder could get moved? Maybe Carlson? I don't know, though. I think he's the fourth guy now. Yeah, I feel like I still feel like Carlson is has more value than being a fourth outfielder. And we're seeing the outfield market start to move now that Juan Soto's um, been traded to the Yankees. But now the Yankees, who was one of um, the teams that I really wanted uh, as a as a match for Dylan Carlson, they seem to have their outfield all figured out. They got Verdugo. They have Grisham now as their fourth outfielder. Um, so I don't think they're going to be that interested in Dylan Carlson. Maybe the Blue Jays. I know we're, we're going to hit on the Blue Jays like later. That's a whole mess with that situation. But um, <clears throat> I don't know what's going on over there. But um, I think they still need outfield depth. Um, maybe do like a Carlson Manoa swap. I don't know if they go all in, like they're trying to go right now, they probably won't want to give up on Manoa that easily, but um, yeah. I still feel like there's going to be a match for Carlson somewhere. Uh, I like, I like this point with Palacios as the fourth outfielder. Burleson is a potential fourth outfielder. Victor Scott's coming right up um, to play center field. So um, you can kind of use Donovan or Edmund as kind of like a quasi fourth outfielder if you really wanted to, because um, there's just there's just so much positional flexibility with this team that I feel like Carlson, um, he can play center field, but he can't play. I guess center field isn't that much better um, than what we can get on from like a, I don't know, like a Kevin Kiermaier is a name I've heard thrown out there um, for a potential signing uh, for the bench. So I don't know. There, there's other options. And I feel like Carlson could could give us a return uh, pitching wise. Yeah, yeah, I, I would I, be I, against the Kiermaier. Oh, you addition. go, Sandy. I would, I would like to see Kiermaier because it would mean Edmund's not going to be in center field every day. I don't know how I feel about the whole Tommy Edmund is our starting center fielder thing <laughs> because, I mean, I think the arm concerns are a little overblown. Like, I'm not sure it's that important. I don't know how many times it actually impacts the game. But I just don't know how I feel about Edmund's bat being in the lineup every day if it doesn't have to be and if he's not providing yeah. premium defensive value at shortstop, which is where I would like to see him play. Um, and if Wynn's going to be your guy there, I'd be fine with them moving an outfielder, 
using Edmund as a depth piece specifically in the infield, getting Donovan at bats in the outfield. So I think they could, they definitely have the depth to move an outfielder, especially if Scott's going to be ready. Like some of the reports that suggest opening day for him, that's maybe getting a little ahead, a little ahead of ourselves. Um, but I'd like to see it. So yeah, in that case, like they could definitely find a partner, like Andrew said, for Dylan Carlson. Will they? I'm not sure. Cause I think they're still, they still like Dylan Carlson a lot. Um, and also there's kind of the stuff with Soto last year where everyone thought Dylan Carlson was that one problem with not getting him. So I kind of wonder. Yeah. I see Bellinger and Gurriel at the same time. I think that's unrealistic, but I'll raise you Bellinger and Teoscar Hernandez. If you know what I'm <laughs> talking about. <laughs> the worst take of the off season. I cannot believe she said that. Um, so I will go the opposite of you guys. I just don't, I don't, well, I think Dylan Carlson could be, I mean, if someone comes in and blows him away with an offer, sure, you can have Dylan Carlson. But at this point, I actually really like keeping Dylan Carlson, um, especially because of the fact that I'm not really sold on Tommy Emmett as the primary center fielder. Like, I'm okay with it. Also, we're at 99 viewers right now, so this is awesome, guys. Thanks for jumping in. It's been really fun. Again, we plugged it at the top. Um, we've got a new membership program over on the channel, and so we've started a Discord. So if you want to hop in and just chat Cardinal Baseball with us, you can join as a membership on YouTube or as a member on YouTube. And then as you go up the tiers too, we have other different benefits. Like you can request um, if you have some things you want us to cover in written work, and so you can request that from us, and we'll cover that over at Redbird Rants. Um, or there's some other different member perks along the way. So um, join our member program if you want more of that kind of stuff. And then again, we've got our Discord going now, so you can chat all this stuff with us throughout the week. But um, when it comes to Carlson, like this guy still has potential, and it's like there's also a world where Mason Win isn't ready um and he struggles in spring training and tommy Edmond has to play shortstop and at that point if you've traded carlson and palacios is your fourth outfielder like i whoa that's that's not i don't do not feel good about him playing center field opening day i like palacios but um i don't think he's the guy you want starting center field opening day um i can you know, i'm fairly confident in new bar starting in center field he was pretty good last year and yeah that's true. like donovan and left you can there's there's ways to work around it it's just lars new is like they prefer him at the corner so you're, you're thinking tommy Emmons is yeah. a starting center fielder but yeah. i feel like new bar i'm comfortable with. This i just think you get really thin there because if tommy has to play shortstop again this is like you're thinking of worst case scenario you i think mason was gonna be fine um but if if Mason Wynn isn't and Tommy Evans your shortstop and you have Newt Bar in center, if Newt Bar goes down, then it's like, okay, who's your backup there? Um, I love Victor Scott. I seriously, we've talked about it. I'm so high on him. I think I would love if he comes into spring training and blows it away and can be good enough to play opening day or is good enough to call up the first time, second an injury happens. But I don't think you should be banking on that. And I just don't think Dylan Carlson has the value right now that makes it worth moving on from him. Um, because I do think he can get run. Uh, he can definitely start against left-handed pitching. Like he had a down year last year, but in general, he's done really well hitting against that. Um, he could play all three corner outfield or all three outfield positions. I don't really want Alec Burleson playing in the outfield that often. Um, yeah. I would rather have Gorman um, DHing more often if possible and having Brendan Donovan play second to save Gorman's bat. So I don't really want to have to put De Brendan Donovan in left field unless it's just every once in a while. Um, so I'm, I'm big on keeping Carlson. And then again, like, he didn't really get much of a chance last year and he had injuries again. And so I just, I think I would rather have him be that fourth outfielder and maybe he comes into spring training and there, I think there's a world he could potentially beat out Tommy Edmond as the center fielder. Like, Absolutely. I just, I, I think it's pointless to sell low on Carlson now. And then Palacios works perfect as that like fifth or fourth guy off the bench because Palacios has the ability to play second base too. So he's got a little bit of infield versatility. 
You can play all outfield positions. Alec Burleson's more of the DH corner outfield first base guy. Um, so I just I don't see a reason to trade Dylan Carlson anymore unless a team blows you with an offer. Um, but sorry, that was a little bit of a, a no, rant no. there. And I'm not even a huge Carlson guy. I just yeah. think at this point it makes sense to keep him. Well, it's kind of the same argument we had for O'Neill a lot of the time too. You're like, this guy's so much potential. His value is so low right now. His ceiling is so much higher than this. Um, but let me rephrase what I said, I guess, because I kind of wandered away from my main point. I think they'll trade another outfielder probably, but I don't think it'll be someone who plays center. I think that's a better way to put it because yeah. they have a lot of defensively limited players, right? Like if the Cardinals trade Alec Burleson, is anyone shocked? I'm, I'm not yeah. sure because, I mean, there's not going to be a bats for that guy right? Especially yeah. with Herrera knocking down the door. And then in the infield, you have so many guys that could push Donovan into the outfield for at bats. Yeah. And like, for some reason, Alec Burleson seems to have a much higher value than I think. Every single time I see him mentioned in a trade, he's being viewed as like some major piece and people from other organizations seem to really like him. And I know he has a good hit tool. I know he has a power tool that people can dream on. Um, but like, if the Cardinals move him, I don't have a problem with that. I don't think it'll be someone that plays center, though, like I said. Because let's talk center field depth in the organization, right? Yep. You have Carlson, Edmund, and Newpar on the major league roster right now that can play it. But none of them, it's their native position or their natural position. In the minors, it's Victor Scott and then who? Like Juan Bencho got 20 starts there last year. They said yeah, Travis Huntington no might close. be able to do it someday. And then Michael Ciani. So it's like... I just, I, yeah, you're so right about depth. They get really thin if they move one of those guys. And I, that's a nightmare scenario for the Cardinals, not having a center fielder. Like that's bad. And that's why maybe they should move someone and go out and get a Kevin Kiermeyer, Like we said. Yeah. I'm, I like Kevin Kiermeyer. I just don't see him signing with a team unless he's the guaranteed starting center fielder. Like oh, yeah. there's plenty of teams that are going to want him. And then again, with, they do have money to spend, like we've talked about, but I would much rather them be putting that toward getting, bullpen pieces or strengthening the rotation then like i like kevin kiermeyer a lot but at some point he's gonna start regressing too and he kind of he had a really good year last year after kind of being down a little bit i don't know how much i bank or would bank on him continuing to be the guy um so and then also uh, harrison bader that's another option um i i don't there's another guy who's super injury prone we know that more than pretty much anyone else but um i feel like his value would be low enough that um we could get him on a pretty cheap deal. But at that point, like, you might as well just keep Tyler O'Neill because it's similar defensively um, in the outfield. Um, and the offensive upside with Tyler O'Neill is definitely much higher than Harrison Bader. So I don't know what you guys think about that. He might be a little cheaper, though. Yeah, I could see it. But, again, I think he's probably going to a team where he's going to start if possible. And um, I just, again, I think they're locked in at Tommy Edmond. And I'd rather have Tommy Edmond than um, – I'll th uh, Michael, thanks for the we'll, – we'll, we'll jump into the, your comment, but thanks for the super chat there. Let me fi I'll finish this real quick. Um, I don't – I just don't see Harrison Bader as an upgrade over Tommy Eben anymore. <laughs> like, I think they're about the same, so I wouldn't pay Harrison Bader 8 or $9 million a year when I've already got Tommy Eben. Um, But then also, like, we always have to remember this too. Injuries, injuries, injuries. New bar's been hurt. Donovan gets hurt. Gorman's been hurt. Edmund could get hurt. Like, they need the depth. And so I think – like obviously they had so many options last year, which was a problem. But I think the bigger problem is they had so many options without defined roles. They had their starting three center, their starting three outfielders going into the year, but then they're trying to work in Carlson and they're also trying to work in Alec Burleson. And then they just didn't like. Now it's pretty clear Alec Burleson is not a pri one of their primary outfielders, and he will play whenever there's available playing time. But they're not trying to work him in. 
Dylan Carlson's the fourth outfielder, but I think you're going to see a consistent starting nine for the most part now, which I, I don't really care about having those options on the bench anymore. I think it's good for depth, especially when they're not trying to rotate too much. But um, Michael, again, thanks for the super chat, man. This is awesome. Um, how far do you think Wubin Cho Chow? Is that how you say it? Wubin There's Chow? one Bin Cho. Wambin yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is from playing MLB. Um, Sandy, you want to take this man? Cause you just wrote, uh, yeah, we, yeah. Haven't, we haven't published it yet, but you just wrote an article for Redbird Rants on that. So, yeah, absolutely. So, um, there was a little poll we did on Twitter recently, and uh, it seems like you guys want to hear about Wambin Cho. Um, so I wrote something on him, it'll be out soon at Redbird Rants. So, go give that a read. I think the earliest we'll see Cho is probably late in 2026. Um, so this year he played it high a for the second time in a row and it was very exciting. The results were really good. He basically improved across the board from last year. He's really delivering on some of that hype. So Cho was signed early in 2022, um, during that international signing period in January. And he came over with Jonathan Mejia, who's actually the more highly rated prospect, but they flipped since then. So Cho slid all the way up to 13 on the Cardinals top 30 prospect list. And he did that as a teenager. He just turned hmm. 20 uh, late in the season. Very impressive um, to reach the level he was at as a teenager. Very, very good. I think this year there's a chance that they start him as high as double A, although I wouldn't count on it because his tools are still pretty raw. Um, if they were to do that, he could be on track to play at some point in early 2026. It's more likely they send him to high A, uh, Peoria. I misspoke earlier, by the way. He played at Palm Beach. It's more likely they start him at high A, give him Peoria, um, let him settle in there, and then move him up. I could see him reaching AAA in 2025 and then playing for the Cardinals in 2026. But yeah, he's very, very exciting. Um, his swing has been described as compact. It's been described as simple. Generates some impressive power numbers, although it hasn't translated to in-game power yet, which is something they're waiting on. Uh, he also showed a proclivity to walk a ton last year. So that led to him running like a 380 on base percentage which is like really, really impressive for a guy in the Florida State League, especially there because normally uh, those stadiums and that league in general just suppress offensive numbers. I know I'm getting really into the weeds with this, uh, but there's just not a ton to analyze with him because he's so young. Um, but so, yeah, so far, all signs are good. Very excited about what Cho brings to the team. He should be a plus defender in the corners. He pitched a little bit in high school back in Korea. So, Andrew, I thought you'd like that detail. Very strong arm. <laughs> um, yeah, he's going to be really, really fun. Let's say 2026, opening day 2027 is when I expect him to be a member of the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, and something I like about that too with his timeline is the Cardinals just have so many young position players right now. Like if he was in AAA, I don't really know what they do with him because there's just too many yeah. guys right now. And so you kind of you it's actually kind of exciting to have a guy. I mean, obviously, if he comes out next year, just like has a Jackson holiday and goes off and gets to the majors, no one's yeah. going to complain. But it's nice to have a guy that you can kind of profile in 2026 when you have new bar in his second year of arbitration by then. Maybe, uh, yeah, you'd be a year or two away from free agency. Like you're at that point, you got to have the next um, the next wave of guys coming through. And so you're not going to be able to, you're probably not gonna be able to keep all of the young guys they currently have. And so um, to have more options. And also, you just don't know really, really know what's going to ha happen with these guys. Uh, uh, like Jordan Walker could flame out somehow or Brendan Donovan yeah. could get traded for something like you just never know. So it's nice to have these guys in the lower levels that are exciting. See what happens long-term, um, especially the outfield, because it feels like most of their really promising outfielders are all in the major league roster now. So, yeah. Yeah. He's probably the best young outfielder we've got right now. Uh, like in the lower levels. Cause the other guys with big loud tools, like Joshua Baez, 
Uh, it's well documented his struggles with his hit tool. Cho right now seems like he could at some point have the complete package. The power's still emerging, um, but the play discipline is is pretty elite right now. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say the other one is Chase Davis at this point too, but such a small sample size. Obviously, he's a high profile and high pedigree as the first round pick uh, this past year, but you don't really know where to get from him yet. So um, it's nice to have some options down there. Um, Yeah. Also, I don't. Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, no, you go. I was was just going to say, we didn't really talk too much about Moises Gomez. He's a guy that I'm like, I don't really know why he's on the 40 man roster anymore. And. It just—it feels so weird because the Cardinals clearly don't value him, and they had Michael Ciani, and they're calling up like the most random of guys in September, and they still left Moises Gomez in AAA. And so I just think at this point, it's like, why do you? Why do they roster him? Why do they have him? I like I just don't see a scenario where every plays for them. So maybe they're hoping some at some point they can include him in some kind of package is like the last piece of it. Um, but yeah, I don't really see. Uh, Gomez like if they had injuries I don't really think they'd be calling up Gomez I, I just I don't see it they didn't do it last year they called up Mercado they pretty much called up every other possible guy and left Gomez down there so yep um so we talked about one Bencho he pitched a little bit played some outfield do we want to talk about another guy who who did that one when he was uh his age going his transition oh no there that we're tracking right now it might have a shark tank person yeah. on it might have shohei otani yeah i don't know let's ask john morosi and see what he thinks wild this morning i woke up i was like oh it's just another day and then i see in our chat that josh has said that like oh shohei otani looks like he's gonna be a blue jay because of all this like conspiracy stuff that's happening online so basically if you don't know uh this morning uh some redditors uh found an airplane a private airplane that was flying from uh, not LA, but from like some airport near Anaheim all the way to Toronto. And everyone was like, Oh, Shohei Otani's on that plane. He's got to be on that plane. Cause he's talking to the blue Jays. And someone also found some dinner reservation that I think you say Kikuchi made at some like Japanese sushi restaurant right next to Rogers center and connected the two somehow and was like, a Shohei Otani is flying from Anaheim to Toronto to sign with the Blue Jays, and then he's also going to this sushi restaurant um, with fifty other people and Yusei Kikuchi to celebrate or what whatnot, something like that. I don't know. Um, and then other people are putting out that it's the same day that he signed with the Angels six years ago, um, and it's some like lucky holiday in Japan. Um, so that was also another tea leaf that people were reading. And I was like, oh, this is pretty exciting. Like he could be a Blue Jay soon. Um, I'm, I was expecting him to sign today because I heard the thing about the, the lucky um, Japanese holidays. Um, and he signed last time. And I was like, oh, he he might be a little superstitious. I don't know anything about Shohei Otani. He's really like close to the chest. He doesn't like reveal anything about himself. So he could be superstitious. Like we don't know. Um, but... That all changed in the afternoon when John Morosi started fanning the flames and he was like, Shohei Otani is flying to Toronto today. Um, so everyone was like, oh, so that is his plane, right? So that, that's got to be his plane. He's flying there to sign with the Blue Jays and um, like 10 other baseball writers who are more reputable than John Morosi. They're like, no, no, no. Shohei Otani is in Southern California. He's just, ch- he's just chilling at his house. 
And it's like, okay, well, what happened there? There was also a Dodgers report that came out midday, and for like ten minutes, Shohei Otani was officially signed with the Blue Jays. So like, yep. I don't, like this is just ridiculous. I had, if you want to go get some um, some gear, we we have our Lids affiliate link. I was using that to to get some Blue Jay stuff earlier in the day. Um, uh, I I didn't finish my purchase, but um, it was close. Yeah, I remember I messaged you. It's like, wait, hold up, report has been debunked, and you're like, what? And at that point, I was so confused, too, because it felt so weird coming from a Dodger guy. I was like, I know it was a Dodger Nation. It's not like one of the top reporters around, but it was just kind of like, well, like, makes sense. All the Blue Jay stuff's happening. Even the Dodgers are saying it's a done deal. And then you had those get debunked. And then Morosi started pumping. Well, wait, wait, no, but even if it's not signed yet, he's on the plane. And then you have Bob Nightingale come out and be like, nope, that's not happening. So... Just some oh, random Shark Tank guy. Oh, yeah. Taylor Motter was actually on the plane. Um, yeah, it's Taylor Motter. Uh, and what do you guys think about this? I think – so, Sandy, you kind of alluded to it, the Ken Rosenthal's comments about everything. Um, yes. And so, like, I think everyone can agree the Otani stuff's annoying. Like, none of us want this to be dragging out any longer than it needs to be. But how do you guys feel about how he's handling it? Like, and how and how the media is handling his want, desire for it to be private. Um, obviously the Morosi stuff, like that's its own bucket of like, it was just poor reporting, especially from someone of that stature. It's like, he knows the platform he has and he's kind of the, the, he's the prototypical guy. And I just, I mean, in general, these guys' jobs are hard In general writing's hard. And so I try not to be critiquing cause I know people come at, I'm not even doing what they're doing. And I feel like it's difficult to navigate the waters, but um, it's like, he, he's, what are you saying today? He was reporting stuff that wasn't true, but then in general, he always pumps out this stuff of like, it could happen. It makes sense. And it gets people's hopes up when it's based in a lot of just like his own thoughts. And maybe he heard it it thrown out as an idea from someone and now he's making it sound like it's a real thing. So that Morosi is his own bucket right now, but all these other people that are following it and trying to report all these random details when he's trying to keep it close to the vest, how do you guys feel about this? It's it's just like ridiculous. The Ken Rosenthal, I alluded to it in the chat. If my connection's working, I can talk about this. I'm a little upset. Yeah, about you're it. good. You're good. Um, I just feel bad for the guy. He had one thing that he asked for this off season, and it was just don't leak my meetings. And then everyone has made such a big deal about it. like the man deserves the right to. Talk to people to know when he's in a. So, did you just lose me for a little bit? Yeah, for a second. Just keep We're okay. Yeah. Um, You're good. So. Okay, I'll, I'll continue. Um, then. Well, what I'm saying is, he probably just. He, I, I just think Otani doesn't want like mobs of people to know when he's in a given city, and it's like that's such a fair thing to want. And for people to complain about the way he conducts his off season, ridiculous. He should be able to enjoy it the way he wants. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Shohei Otani is just a normal dude. Like, he he just wants to be, like, left alone. Um, he just wants to go to the stadium every day, play baseball, come home, and then chill, like, watch watch a show or something, read his manga on his iPad. That he uh, He's just he's just like all of us. He's just a normal guy. Um, and Japanese culture, a lot of it is, like, very private, keep to yourself. So I understand where it's coming from. There, there was the wild takes from Mad Dog, who should retire, by the way. That man said he would retire if the Diamondbacks beat the Phillies. So you should you should just go go enjoy your beach house wherever and just not ever talk about baseball again, yeah. please, respectfully. But um, 
he was he compared Shohei Otani's free agency to something that I don't really want to talk about on here oh that gosh, may or may not re- relate to like certain like wars that have happened. So like just, that was just really insensitive, and that was just like why why'd you bring that up? But um, I just think just give him his piece. Like it's not the decision. It's not LeBron James is signing to sign with the Miami Heat. It's it's a different different guy. LeBron James is out there a lot. Um, Shohei Otani is very reserved. He's very just. Yeah. Keep to yourself. Just go play ball. Like it's not. It's not yeah. that deep. So just just let him sign wherever he wants. We don't have to make a big deal about it. And like, why are we stalking Shark Tank people as they fly from? Like, probably was just like taking his kids to like Disneyland or something in Anaheim, and like literally had nothing to do with Shohei Otani. Like, why are we stalking him all the way back in Toronto? That's just weird. Yeah, and I like. The part, uh, one part of Rosenthal's argument that I get, and I, and I, I feel like is fair, is that it would have been really, really good for the game of baseball if this Otani free agency wasn't basically hung up on let's not talk about it, but like let's like m- like let's make it a big deal. But at the end of the day, that's not what Otani wanted, and so like we can't control that, and it's frustrating. And guess what? Maybe baseball should have done a better job with Bryce Harper when he was a free agent, and not like everyone in the world said no, we don't want to sign this guy. Instead of made it a bigger deal, went after the guy. Um, Otani's obviously a different animal in terms of like how good he is and how marketable he is, but like it's just like you can't make him be the guy he doesn't want to be. Andrew, you look like you're gonna hop in there. There's a community note on Heyman's tweet now. It says this is false. Well, enough people <laughs> got got um, Morosi. To, there's a community note on his tweet now. Um, oh, on Morosi's tweet. Funny. I thought you were saying on Pikes. No, just like. Uh, that's amazing. Um, he should not have a job as of tomorrow. But uh, yeah, has he has he put out anything since then? Nope. That's the last thing. Maybe maybe MLB Network just like you know that that like meme of the the football player who like tries to get into the workout complex and his card isn't working. He got locked out. Yeah, that, that was Morosi. Hopefully, yeah, we'll Man. see what happens. He needs he needs their answer for some of that. It, the, this is. I mean, I don't I don't even know if we can. Because earlier this morning, I was uh, talking with Robert Murray. Or he was talking with some of us from – he's the MLB insider for Fansided. We were like, is this worse than the Heyman tweet about Arson Judge? Oh, this is so much and worse. And in the moment when he asked it, it was the very beginning of the day. It was just the Dodgers yeah. Nation thing. And I said, it's close. If he doesn't sign with the Blue Jays, then it's definitely worse. Now with everything that, that Morosi did after it, this is so much worse than the Arson Judd situation. Here's that's my hot take. That was 15 minutes of us believing him going to Giants. The rest of the – this has been an entire day of us thinking he's a Blue Jay on zero facts. Yeah. I, I don't think Arson Judge would be like nearly as remembered if he just spelled his name right. True. I think it's just memed on because he spelled it Arson Judge. And people are like, <laughs> oh, that's funny. It's Arson Judge. But like if he spelled it right, I don't think anyone actually would have been like – I don't think we'd be talking about it today still. It'd just be like, oh, yeah. remember when we thought he was going to the, the Giants for 10 minutes? No. Yeah. Also, although Tani's name, right? I saw a tweet. Yeah. It's like shoplift Otani has been um, oh, no. sent to Toronto or something. Um, Yankee, or the John Soto appears headed to the Yankees from the Yankees tweet was like, that has to go on like the top 10 of tweets of all time. That yeah. was just. That was top tier from the Yankees Twitter account. I I appreciated that. I don't, I don't really see any comments about it, but we haven't been on since the Juan Soto trade happened. I'm really glad it did, and I'm glad 
Well, I mean, obviously, Otani didn't sign today, but it seems like the market's now finally moving because of that. And so there's a lot of frustration. The Cardinals didn't really do anything at the winter meetings, but like, who did? <laughs> like, the entire winter meetings was basically nothing because the market just wasn't moving. So now you're going to see it potentially start moving a little bit more, which is great. Um, I think the Juan Soto trade was really interesting. Um, uh, he went for more than I thought he was going to. And the, I think the Yankees probably could have waited it out longer and given up less, but I think they wanted to secure their guy. Um, and I, I, I'm not a, I don't love, obviously I don't really like the Yankees, big Cardinal guy here. Um, but it's, it's, it's kind of fun when the Yankees are hateable and they're going to be yeah, good and they have two sure. stars and Juan Soto just feels like a Yankee. And so yeah. I hope they sign him long-term unless it's the Cardinals, but um, assuming the Cardinals are not going to be signing Juan Soto next Don't offseason. Excuse me. <laughs> Honestly, though, anyways, if he didn't go to the Yankees, if he was on any other team, I'd be like, mm, I know, maybe there's a he's chance. He's going to get extended. Could... He's got to get yeah, extended. There's no way they don't. And if he doesn't get extended, it's because Steve Cohen steals him from the Yankees. Like, it's a, he's a Yankee or a Matt. There's no way. Or maybe if the Dodgers miss out on Otani, they go like all out next offseason. Um, but, anyways, Oh, I forgot about oh, that. No. That was a good one. The Ken Rosenthal to. Uh, oh, um, that was crazy. Yeah, yeah see, thing. we don't remember that one because he spelled everyone's name right. Well, okay. Yeah. One other thing, though. I'm sorry. I got my connection back now. I'm ready. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the the arson judge thing, like, he didn't actually say anything wrong. He just said appears. I'm sure it appears all the time that players are going to different teams. And, like, he's just trying to keep people in the loop. That is one thing. As soon as it was not happening, like, he did come out there and he was like, Hey, this is not happening now. And it's like, that's just the way he was reading the room at that time. I'm sure he yeah. heard something that said, yeah, Aaron judge. And, and like everything that we've heard since then has confirmed that like the giants went to this number and Aaron judge was going to do it. And then the Yankees made it to a slightly lower number. That was Aaron judges. Like, okay, if the Yankees do that, I'm going there. Yeah. And so it's like, there's nothing, there's nothing like malevolent in that reporting. The, the Morosi stuff, like I really wanted to say this, um, but I couldn't earlier for connectivity reasons. Like it's bad. Um, he just, it seems like sometimes he just puts stuff out there just like, just to do it. And I kind of just wonder why, like wh what, you know, um, the interactions, I guess, whatever, but like, yeah, he has more credibility than he should at this point, And I'll leave it at that. Um, but I mean, yeah, if you get a community note on your tweet. You don't make money from it. So he did not make any money from the tweet, um, that he just put out. Good. So that's, um, that's great. Yeah. It's just wow. bad reporting though. Like it's just false information, no facts. And he just threw it out there. Yeah. And it's a really good point about the Heyman stuff. Like people can feel however they want about him. He's not my favorite reporter out there. Um, but I, I actually went back and listened. I can't remember why I listened to it the other day after the Soto trade. Cause I wanted to hear his explanation for the arson judge stuff. And that was his point was he said, I, when I said appear head appears headed, I didn't meant it appears that way. I didn't, yeah. it wasn't reporting. It was happening. But, and he was like, if it's happening, I will tell you it's for sure happening, but he spelled it wrong. Obviously it's, that's a big name to say, I think it's going to happen. And he admitted right away. He's like going back. I probably shouldn't have even said that. I probably should have been more diligent about it. Um, but people were, I mean, like with this, everyone's trying to be the first one to break it. So I also kind of don't blame him because that's how he get paid. How he gets paid. Yeah. Um, but the Morosi stuff is just, I mean, it was just false. And like you said, Sandy, like it's been reported, the giants put a higher number out there than yep. the Yankees. And obviously judge was like neck and neck with these two decisions. So anyways, that's, it's just, that's tough. Um, I mean, the and, excitement that I had that he wasn't going to sign with the Dodgers because I, I just been like Dodgers for me had always just been kind of like a damage control. Like as long as he doesn't go to Chicago, then yeah. I'll be happy. 
like the excitement that I had this morning when I was like, oh, he's not going to the Dodgers or there's a chance that he doesn't go to the Dodgers. It was like super, super good. And then once yeah. I was like, oh, this is all just he just lied about all this. And I was like, oh, OK, well, it's unfortunate because now I feel like Dodgers is again probably where he's going to end up. Yeah, we'll see. I'm actually I'm still leaning Blue Jays. I feel like I think probably what started to happen is people jump the gun on it. Um, but we'll see. I guess it really depends on what did Morosi just make it up or did he have people pumping stuff to him? Who knows? But the only yeah. two people in the world who know what he's doing and every report, reputable reporter is saying it. The only two people in the world who know what Shohei Otani is doing is him and his his agent, not even the agency, his agent and his and, interpreter. But yeah, uh, in his interpreter, yeah, Shout out to he recruited Lars Newbar for um, WBC, so he's the reason we have all this Yamamoto stuff. So yeah, um, um, but I think this comment from Brad's really interesting. Like, how if if he ends up going to the Blue Jays, how did the or anyone else? How did the Dodgers fumble the bag on this? Like Dave Roberts, I, that. But like, is that really the point? Like, is that really who? I don't know. Maybe it did make a difference, but like they let Corey Seager walk. They let Trey Turner walk. They cleared the books this past year and didn't give themselves as good of a chance to win the World Series because they're trying to get under the the highest luxury tax um, bill so that they could save some money and then go after Otani. If they don't get Otani, that's that's well, they're going to sign like Yamamoto and Bellinger and Matt Chapman and Blake Snell and like literally everybody else. So. Yeah, they'll make moves, so like they'll be fine. But like they like it's been like Otani's gonna be a Dodger for like ever, and now. And let's not, not forget they got lucky on Freddie Freeman, right? Like they got lucky his agent yeah. didn't show him the Braves offer, in case nobody remembers that whole saga. Mm -hmm. uh, so like yeah, they're they've not been as good at going out and getting stars as I think people would expect from them. Obviously, they traded for Mookie Betts and extended him. They weren't gonna let him reach free agency. Um, but yeah, if they don't get Otani, I think that's a failure for the Dodgers because you have basically unlimited funds. You have to be able to go lock down Shohei Otani. Yeah, there's something like I someone tried to say this with the Dodgers that maybe they're not offering him the years that he wants. I I I get they haven't done that with other players, and that's why they've been hesitant to re-sign a Corey Seager, Trey Turner's. They don't want to give out those 13-year deals. Um, but it's they're doing that for Otani. He's the he's the he's the unicorn they've been waiting for. Um, but I think is it, it is an interesting thing. They've been they like part of the reason they're so good is that they have Andrew Friedman who came over from the the Rays in the 2012-2013 range, I think. And he's just like them he was the master class of building this team up that had no payroll and making him a consistent winner. And now he does it with the best market, like probably outside of New York, the best place the baseball market, and then also the most amount of funds besides the Mets. And he's got this like organizational model where they're constantly developing young players, but then they also can go out and get the superstar. So it's really interesting that they don't lock in the right like obviously Mookie Betts is the right guy in Freddie Freeman, but they miss out on Otani. That makes me really like look back at their decision to not bring back Seeker, which even now I'm like, should have brought back Corey Seeker um, or potentially Trey Turner. So, um, and then the way they handled their pitching staff this last year, I know they had a ton of injuries and stuff, but um, they really, they, they, they obviously were a contender in 2022 or 2023, but they didn't put their best foot forward to trying to win a world series because of this Otani pursuit. Yeah, I mean, the Dodgers kind of fumble the bag all the time in the playoffs, so it would be kind of funny. But um, 
I don't know. I have a friend who's a Dodgers fan. I would feel for him if, if he didn't get him because he was freaking out to me today. And I was like, hey, at least be thankful you have a chance to get Otani because I don't. Um, but um, yeah, uh, man, uh, we, I've been told that that, that Dodgers writer uh, for Dodgers Nation has been kind of silenced and that um, he's going to sign with the Blue Jays. But um I don't know. All the all the like Passon and, and whoever are, are all saying that he's not reached a decision yet. So I'm inclined to believe them instead. I don't know. Um, I just want him to sign now so I can stop thinking that he might be a cub. I feel like the chances are probably under five percent now that he ends up in Chicago. Just keep him out of my division. But um there's still there's still a chance that he decides to go there, and that scares me a lot. Yeah, honestly, at this point, like I do not want to be a Dodger, but anything to make him not a Cub. Oh my goodness, this. I mean, for the National League, it would, I feel like it'd be worse if you went to the Braves. Oh, right. for sure. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, speaking of the Cubs, though, I was actually thinking about this the other day. Like, they're gonna probably miss out. Probably miss out on Otani. Yeah. Um, I don't know what they're doing with Cody Bellinger. They're going to go after him. Oh, they go pay, pay him, pay him the moon. Yeah, like, pay, oh, I'm, pay I'm, Bellinger I'm, everything. Pair him with Dansby Swanson for the next 22 years. <laughs> I'm all in on that. I would I love know, I want it. So but bad. like they got like Dansby Swanson, which obviously is a big fish, but he wasn't one of the biggest fishes. And I started thinking to myself, let's like, have the Cubs ever gotten like a huge fish in free agency? Like a top three, four guy, like, Probably oh, they're getting Bo Bichette too. That's that's yeah, they're getting oh Bo Bichette. Probably yeah, they didn't get that one year, right? Like yeah, that's 15. Hayward was a big deal, and the Cardinals offered him more, and he went to the Cubs yeah. because we had an aging core, and then Wayno and Yachty, and then they reunited yeah. with Albert. Were there longer than anyone on that Cubs? Team. I feel like he's between. He's either Dansby Swanson tier to me though, even at the time, or he's between what Dansby Swanson was and like what I'm talking about. Like, yes, it's just interesting that they really haven't gotten that big fish before. But yeah, what do you guys think is their pivot now? Because coming into the offseason, I was like, especially after Craig Council thing, I was like, they could have, they could go get Pete Alonzo, they could go get Juan Soto, they could sign Shohei Otani. Like, what are they going to Reese Hawkins, Matt Chapman, and Cody Bellinger, and, and just go for it, man. Go for it with those pieces. Like, I, I, I would be so scared. Like, that would be like the scariest Cubs team. Like, that would be even scarier than <laughs> John yeah. Lester. Yeah. Yeah. Go, Lester go was, Lester was a big deal. But again, I don't think he was like, like he was. Oh, I thought you were talking about signing anymore. Lester. Okay. No, oh, they could bring him back. <laughs> but I think they're more talking about they got John Lester, yeah, which yeah, was a big deal. Yeah. But I almost don't want to say this because, like, you know, I don't know if Cubs oh, fans even know what Stadcast is. Um, so I don't really want to like say this and tip them <laughs> off. But Cody Bellinger last year is like maybe the luckiest player I've ever seen in my life. Dude, listen to this, okay? Bellinger, I'm on his Statcast page. I'm going to get a bit into the weeds. But like for months, I've been wondering how on earth Cody Bellinger had that good a season. Because like typical Cody Bellinger hit, pop-up turns into a double down the line. It just ends in the Bermuda Triangle. No one can grab it. Listen to this. He finished in the 10th percentile of hard hit rate, 31%. That's unreal. That's horrible. He had a lower hard hit rate than guys like Tommy Edmond and guys like Richie Palacios. Listen to this one. His average exit velocity, 87.9. That would be by far the lowest season of Paul Goldschmidt's career. Um, his expected weighted on base average, okay? This is like the StatCast stat. What percentile you're in, people will like this. If you, there's one, this is the one. He was in the 53rd percentile, so very, very league average hitter. But his actual WOBA, 
Okay. Top seven percentile of the league, like 93rd. He jumped 40 percentile points. There's so much blue on his stat cast page. He hardly walked. Um, somehow he had an absurd sweet spot rate and a very low hard hit rate, which like the only way to explain that is luck. They're just like, it doesn't make sense. He's a guy that has like, he tailed off so hard in recent years and in one contract year got very, very lucky with this quality of contact. Maybe there's something there and maybe like the Cubs find it and he's their starting, you know, center fielder forever. Um, but I just don't like, I don't get it. I don't know how he did that. I hope they pay him everything. And hey, Harry, you're not going to the Yankees anymore, which is what I what I heard yeah. um, was the favorite to land him. So just just go back to Chicago. Go take two fifty yeah. million, twelve million, Giants, whatever. It, it's, yeah, it, it's got to be the Cubs yeah. or the Giants. Yeah, I, I want it to be the Cubs so bad. Yes, Keith in the chat. I think the shift will help him a little bit, but like you just can't explain how he got that lucky. It just doesn't make sense. Well, should, that hit, doesn't hit the ball hard. I just looked at his BABIP too, and it was oh three nineteen this yeah. year, which was a career high from him and a huge step up from last years. But even like, I think his highest in, um, in his other years, even his MVP year was three fifteen, And the fact that he's not hitting the ball hard either, exactly. like exactly. it's kind of weird. This bat pip was so high. So yeah, again, I mean like, I, again, I don't think either of us, I mean, maybe you guys think he's going to regress to what he was last few years. I don't think he's going to regress that hard, but like, I also don't think he's going to be worth the contract he's going to get. He is really good defensively, though. So, yeah. like, he's fine. that's fair. But they have Pete Crow um, Armstrong. So why yeah. on earth would they be playing Cody Bellinger in center field? I would love, I would love nothing more than to see Cody Bellinger sign with the Cubs for upwards of $200 million. He's not going to get too. that much money. But, like, because you remember, I know Andrew remembers this, the Cubs oh, signed yeah. Dansby Swanson, and I had a field day with it. <laughs> I looked at the contract and said, that's terrible. Why would you pay him that money? So fun. So I would love to have that again with Cody Bellinger. I mean, I'll have an emergency podcast party <laughs> when they sign Cody Bellinger. I'll do it on my own if I have to. Quick, uh, Sandy, could you, because there's a good point here. I think it's fair. Stackhouse isn't everything. Um, because, oh, Edstein. Oh, I thought he was saying De La Cruz. I didn't even look at the comment because he was De La Cruz. Um, like there's people who like have bad Stackhouse pages. Like Paul Goldschmidt has sure, some things yeah. that you're like. So but could you look at his MVP year and see what his Stackhouse page looked like and stuff like oh, that? Because like incredible. I'm, yeah, I'm amazing. interested to yeah. see. Okay. So again, and maybe Cody Bellinger's reinvented himself some, and obviously he's made some strides. And the Cubs, uh, Cubs are actually really known for their hitting coaches and developing hitters. So like, I don't, I don't think it's shocking that they're getting the most out of him. But I do think he, I just don't see him being as good as he was in 2023 again. I mean, going the other way is one thing, but it's it's like these are major league hitters. If going the other way was that profitable, everyone would go the other way all the time. Like there's a reason that the main strategy in today's game is pulling the ball. That's how people generate power. That's how people generate extra base hits. Bellinger had a lot of luck behind his season. I'm not saying he's a terrible hitter. Like you can't be a terrible hitter and finish as high in MVP voting as he did. Obviously he's, he's a good player, but I don't think he's going to be worth the mega contract he's going to get. And honestly, good on him. Good on him for having that great a year in a contract year. Really smart for him to take that one year, prove a deal and then go out and do it. Um, but like, nah. Let yeah. the Cubs play also, all they Um, I want to address this because it's, it's fun that we've got a, a someone in the chat. Oh, I'm clicking the wrong one. Um, sorry, we, we can come back to Cody Bellinger, but I didn't want to miss this. There's we have a Red Sox fan in the chat and is wanting to talk about the O'Neill stuff. Um, yes. obviously we have a Cubs fan in here. We've got some so we've got some other fan bases represented today. Um I, I do yeah, think I the, the, the character. Yeah, kind of Ellie Delacruz in here. Um 
I do think the so Joseph's great question. I think that character stuff is really overblown. Um, yes. In terms of, or I guess at least in terms of like the all like the hustle thing, the Ollie Marmol thing. Like I think that stuff is kind of misunderstood from a lot of like it nationally blew up because the, all the info we knew is that he got called out for his hustle, and then it kind of seemed like there was more going on there, and it seems like they kind of figured things out, but it more seemed like a friction with the Cardinals front office and a lot of just disappointment from both sides. O'Neill with some of the ways he's been handled and then his own health concerns and frustration with himself on that. And then also the arbitration stuff that didn't go well two years ago. And then from the Cardinals end that he just wasn't available. Um, and they expected a lot more from him and they just didn't always feel like he was playing when he needed to be. So like th maybe those things continue in Boston. Um, so that's part of the reason you guys got him for a low price. Um, but I loved it for you. I seriously, I thought this was a great move for the Red Sox. Um, I hope, and I believe he's going to be really good. I wouldn't be surprised if he's a guy that's like in the conversation to like probably not an all-star. I don't, I'm not going to give him that right now, but he could be a guy that you're sneaky. Like, Oh, I wonder if he can represent the AL in the outfield is like off the bench or something like that. Um, but yeah, Tyler Neal is a great get for you guys. I don't really have an, like, again, I don't, I'm not, Cardinals beat writers haven't really talked about there being character issues with him. It always just felt like there's just weird vibes between him and the Cardinals front office and coaching staff. But do you guys disagree, agree on that, Sandy, Andrew? Yeah, I feel like he seemed like a good guy, especially in 2021 um, when he was going off. And he never seemed to have any problems with the, the front office or, or the coaching staff before that. So I feel like um, there's just something that between him and the Cardinals that wasn't going to quite work out. And, and that's fine. Like that's that's okay. Um, but yeah, I hope he I hope he pops off for the Red Sox, not for my sake on Twitter because there's going to be so many Adelis Garcia comparisons, and the national media is going to come dogging on the Cardinals again as soon as he does play well in Boston. But if he does, I'll I'll be happy for him. Yeah, I'm rooting for him for sure. Like Tyler O'Neill is a guy who, at his best, is very 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 good at baseball. Um, so he's a great ad for the Red Sox. And again, like a little bit smaller park like that could play really well to his strengths. So you could easily see Tyler O'Neill have a bounce back year. I think I like if Tyler O'Neill is an 800 OPS guy would not be surprised at all. And that's a really valuable player with his gold glove level defense, solid base running like Josh has hit on great ad for the Red Sox all around and the character stuff like totally overblown. And again, like we're not in the clubhouse, so we can't see any of that. So if there's something there, it hasn't been reported on and anything that has been reported on is probably bogus. Yeah, so um, Heart of the Order, John Denton um, told there um, on an episode that there were some issues following the arbitration, which is true. I, I've heard that. Um, but I don't think, again, that's a character thing as, as much as like we've seen around baseball that that's why it's tricky to go to arbitration with players. And O'Neill was coming off a really good season. And then it was weird with because of the lockout, his, the arbitration got pushed into the season. So I think there was just some weird stuff with that. So I, I think it's less about character with Tyler O'Neill and more about yes. just friction between him and the front office. And so um, again, I love it for Boston. I don't think he, it doesn't mean he's for sure going to work out for you guys, but I think the price point, like, that was a great get for the Red Sox. Um, and again, I just want to plug it while we're in here now. Again, thanks for everyone who's shown up to this live stream. I don't know how much longer we're going for, but um, we'll keep chatting for a little bit at least. Um, but if you guys ever want to continue this conversation, we've started this new membership program on the YouTube. So you can go to the top of our YouTube page um, to find that. Usually it works better if you're on the browser, um, but you can join our, as a member in the first tier, which is just a, a 99 cents a month. Um, you can join and you'll get access to our Discord. 
Um, so we'll have chatting between me, Andrew, Sandy, and all of you who jump in there and we'll talk Cardinal stuff all the time. And there's other tiers as well that come with different membership benefits. Like we'll live stream a game together and watch with just our members uh, one, one time a month per season or not one time a month per season, one time a month, each month of the season. Um, and then we're also going to do some fun stuff um, with uh, Redbird Rant articles. So if you guys have a topic you want us to be covering, you can submit that at a higher tier. Um, and we're also going to be doing a giveaway at the end of the month. So if you're joining as a member during this month, you'll be up for some merch that we're going to be giving away at the end. So um, jump in there if you want to help support the channel. And then also if you want to be a part of the conversation ongoing. But um, anything else you guys want to talk about? Um, a response from Joseph here, which I think is um, Grace. He just loved the perspective on it. Um, yeah, I think Marmol, I think uh, there's a perspective nationally that players don't respond to him. But for the most part, um, it seems like those close to the Cardinals in terms of beat writers think the clubhouse likes Ollie a lot. So it just yeah. seemed like a unique issue with Tyler. Yeah. I'm not even sure what was going on. It was weird that it went public, especially for something so small, like, okay, be a better base runner, you know, come around third running harder, but O'Neill like seemed to take issue with it too. And I think if, if it had actually been like he was loafing, I don't think Tyler O'Neill is the kind of guy who would have like denied it and lied to everybody. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, he was talking about running quietly. He's trying to stay healthy. And I respect that baseball's a grind. Like these guys play 160 games a year. Obviously O'Neill hasn't reached that mark. Um, but that's the goal, right? Everyone's goal is to play every day. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. What do you, what do you, how many games did he play in 2021? Like 130, I think. So yeah. he's put yeah. together a, a pretty full season before 138. So, yeah. um, and then also he came up in 2018. He was a part-time player 2019. Um, they wanted to, him to establish himself some more. It took him a little while. 2020 was a shortened season. So like, I really feel like 2020 is when he really took the reins as a starting outfielder. Um, and then 2020 was a full season. It was just the last two that he's hurt. So again, I, yeah. I, I, I really like him. I think he's going to be great. Um, yeah. I'll address some um, keys question real quick about the other Japanese players that were posted. There's a like really thick like element of respect in terms of Japanese culture, especially between like the baseball players. That's kind of why you don't see Japanese players sign with um, other teams with Japanese players because they just kind of want to give each other freedom um, to just like be the way they want to be. But um, <clears throat> with Yamamoto, Imanaga, uh, Matsui, um, those guys who who got posted, Matsui is actually an international free agent, so um, we can get him without a posting fee, but. I would not expect any of those guys to sign until after the Otani contract is done. Um, so we'll see um, is the answer to this question. I think Yamamoto will go first and then Imanaga will follow. And Matsui kind of just signs whenever. He's a reliever. He's kind of not like those other guys. And that's probably the most realistic option for the, the Cardinals. I'm not a huge Imanaga fan. I feel like he comps a lot similarly to Michaelis. Matz doesn't really fix our problem of having a bunch of middling starters. Um, but yeah, uh, be be on the lookout for for those Japanese guys to sign after Otani's deal is done. Matsui to the Cardinals, please. I need please, it. Yeah, um, go. Is it Wusak? Go. I think I finally got it. Um, yeah. I saw a question about him earlier. We weren't able to address it, but um, he is not like a Hicks Maton, like sort of high leverage guy. He is Chris Stratton. Uh, in my opinion, um, he will give you a lot of innings. I think last year he got hurt, but the two years before that he threw like 65, 66 innings. 
Uh, I see Jordan Hicks or we riot. Um, Jordan Hicks uh, gives me high blood pressure at times, so we'll see <laughs> about that. But um, Trevor Rosenthal uh, would be would be a nice add. Um, hey. But, Minor league contract, though, right? We're not yeah, pretending please. that. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Yes. I just don't want him to catch that flack. No, no, no. Minor league contract for Trevor Rosenthal, depth option. But hey, if he can still hit 102, then I'll be I'll be very happy about that one. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I I think the suck like the Wusak Go thing. Um, you I would probably put him like they probably expect him to be more than Stratton, but you're hoping that you at least get that out of him. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think if you're adding um go at this point you're probably wanting to still get a maton or a jordan hicks yeah. i agree with like so something that cream said with the jordan hicks or i riot or we riot thing like i think it feels weird bringing back guys from yeah. the team that was disappointing but like jordan montgomery was really good so like it makes your team better to bring him back jordan hicks obviously he started the season horribly and i let myself get convinced that I'm yeah. not, like I'm taking all ownership of like, yeah, sure. Get rid of Jordan Hicks. And then he turned it around. It was one of the best relievers in baseball for a stretch there. Um, and then he was really good at the blue Jays. So I'm all in on bringing Jordan Hicks back. I don't care that he's had some weird stuff with the Cardinals. He's clearly finally figured it out and that stuff plays. And we, t- we, everyone keeps wanting the Cardinals to do things differently and to get guys who strike guys out, get guys who have elite stuff. And then they're really picky about what guys that they get that have elite stuff. Like, go get Jordan Hicks. I would love that. And I, I really don't think they keep seeing him at three years, 30 million, getting like 10 mil a year. That's really not that bad. And they've given that kind of stuff to Cecil and Greg Holland before. Yeah. So I'd much rather it be a young reliever like Jordan Hicks who's got crazy good stuff. Um, so I'm, I'm in on a Jordan Hicks, especially with the amount of flexibility financially they have right now. Yeah, I, I, I'm. You touched on Montgomery real quick. I, I still think, for whatever reason, there's a sinking feeling in me that thinks Jordan Montgomery is Patrick Corbin. I don't know why. It's not based on like anything other than the fact that they're like both left-handers who like performed really well in a postseason, and then went into a walk here. Something about Jordan Montgomery just doesn't quite sit right with me. He feels like a very Angels pickup. You know what I mean with like Anthony Rendon and Zach Kozar and like Albert Pujols and those guys who just like go there and they just disappear. And he seems like a guy that they would go after once they lose Otani. But like, I don't know. I I, I get a weird vibe with Jordan Montgomery. I, I liked him while he was here, but I'm not comfortable giving him the contract that that he's projected to get. I don't I don't know what it is. I feel pretty confident he's gonna be a Red Sox at this point. But we'll see. That would be tough. I would I would love to see Monty back in a Cardinals uniform. One more thing about the Jordan Hicks stuff, though. The only reason, in my opinion, that you can like oppose this is just like the Cardinals' track record with exciting free agent relievers is so bad. Like if you so I know Brett Cecil, like he was horrible in St. Louis, one of the worst relievers in all of baseball, multiple years in a row. Like at no point after the deal was signed did it feel good. But if you go look at how good he was with Toronto, especially in the year before he got that contract, he was insane. He was one of the best relievers in the league, unhittable. And he comes here and was just like dog water. He was terrible. And there's no other way to put it. And uh, I mean, yeah, Greg Holland, awesome for a long time before St. Louis. Comes to St. Louis, just terrible. The Andrew Miller contract's a little bit different. Ryan Tapera. <laughs> a little different Lawrence, Casey Lawrence <laughs> but when we bring in high profile relievers from outside the organization it doesn't go well now the nice thing with Hicks is that he's been here before so I do understand that it's a little bit different um 
but I understand just kind of being against all high profile. I mean, we've seen Hicks at his worst. Like it's Luke not Gregerson. good. It's not good at all. Yes, so. Luke Gregerson's a great oh. one to talk about. I remember I remember getting the notification that Greg Holland had signed with the Cardinals in the middle of a fantasy draft and he was coming up and I drafted him because I was so excited. And then I was like, uh, no, we don't talk about that. Yeah. I'm still, I really like the idea of Jordan Hicks, but I, I'd still be fine with Mayton. Um, I'm blanking all the relievers that are still available, but there's there's multiple guys out there that'd be interested in. Um, and then by lows of like Trevor Rosenthal for later in the season or Shelby Miller. I really like the idea of Shelby. Um, oh, Pud Norris. Yeah. He was another guy they brought in. And he had the friction in the clubhouse too. Yeah. yeah, with Hicks. With Hicks. Yeah, with Hicks. That's a boggle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jeff Jones had a fun story with Bud Norris. That was pretty funny. But, mm. uh, Jonathan Broxton. <laughs> Getting yeah. names that I haven't heard There's in years. Put Boggs in the chat. Oh, my goodness. But I actually really wanted to comment on the Braves thing, and this segues into that well because one reliever I actually wanted the Cardinals to get this offseason was Ronaldo Lopez. I like that he supposedly was interested in being stretched out to be a starter. Um <laughs> Like the Braves, I think, are interested in making him starter depth, which is really exciting for them. Yeah, ten that. million a year, ten million a year for a guy that could end up being a good starter, and at worst, is a really good multi-inning reliever. Like that's really exciting. Um, but just moving into Braves talk, I saw someone put in there something about the Braves trade from today. They moved Evan White um, to the Angels, and they got David Fletcher, so more infield depth for them. What are the Angels doing taking on the other contract? Hey, Angels, tear it down. Come on. Trade Mike Trout and then who's give us Sandy Ball and Detmers. Yeah, you know? Yeah. Yeah, who's like going to let Anthopolis keep getting away with this? He just, like, seems to fleece people on, like, the tiniest little deals. The Jared Kellenick trade the other night, I'm mystified as to what was going on there. The Mariners traded their starting right fielder for Jackson Kowar and an injured Cole Phillips and then still sent cash to the Braves. Like, who's letting Anthopolis get away? Does he, like, have everyone's families at a secure location so he can just force anyone to do anything? It's absurd. Um, yeah, the, the, we'll address the Yahoo story. Uh, that was a question that I think um, came up uh, with DeWitt as the third richest owner. I, I don't put any stock into that yeah. article at all because Steve Cohen is not on it. He should be number one by, like, a lot, but he's not on that list, so I don't know where that came from. So, Yeah, I also – I tried to look, and it looked like the Yahoo article – was like based on a list article from another site that was based on a list article from another site that had no sources for any of their ranking. I mean, so I like really, roast beef sandwiches, but I don't think they're worth that much money. Okay. Yeah. Like, it I, really I felt like know. someone aggregated an aggregated, aggregated list that had no basis. So, I mean, obviously the DeWitts are rich. Obviously they should spend more money than they do. But like, I, I mean, we also have to remember this is St. Louis and it's not Los Angeles. It's not New York. And sure, they could go crazy and spend like that a couple of seasons, but they're going to have to bring payroll down because it's just that's just not how teams and markets like St. Louis operate. And you can see San Diego right now. They had a, a really rich owner who went all in. And that's just really it's really unfortunate that he passed and everything that went on with that. But yeah. they're trying to scale back on payroll and they got to figure things out. So obviously, I'm not defending it with spending. They need to spend more, but I when people are freaking out about that list, I was just like, whatever. So um, I think we'll probably save a lot of the preview for the rest of the off season. Cause I'm sure we have a lot of thoughts about what they could do in terms of um, <clears throat> I'm talking more specifically about bullpen arms as we have the weekend to think about it. Um, talking more about potential starters that they could acquire and stuff like that. But I know Sandy, there's some, some points you want to make about some John Mozilla stuff, but maybe a quick segue into that too is, um, Harold Reynolds over this past week was talking about how um, Mozeliak is a future Hall of Famer. 
Um, and I'll give my take and then I'll let you guys go and Sandy, you can, you can cook with whatever you want to talk about there. But, um, I actually think he's right. I think people were like, what are you talking about? Um, and the fact that you had a consistent winner for as long as he did, which frustrates people, I get it. And you can have all the feelings you want want in the world about it. But he's a world series champion. I think, uh, he's been in the world series twice under his leadership or three times, no twice. Um, been in the NLCS four or five times under his leadership, um again he's just the model of consistency and so i'm not trying to act like he's the best executive ever but i don't really think it's all that hot of a take yeah i'm with you i don't think it's crazy i think john mosaylock has like for the majority of his time in st louis done so much good for the cardinals i understand the frustrations it's really easy to point out where he's missed um, but just how many times he has like found a diamond in the rough. That seems to be the thing he's best at, like trading in Mundo Sosa for Jojo Romero. Like that's one of the more lopsided trades in recent history. It's just, we don't talk about it because it was such a minor move. Um, Romero has been awesome for the Cardinals and it, see, it feels like he does stuff like that all the time. Um, but one thing I love about Mosaic actually is that he's a little bit cautious. Um, and that's what I really wanted to talk about here with the Braves stuff. Anthopolis obviously is on a heater right now. He's been great. But you have a guy like Jerry Depoto up in Seattle who it just seems like makes moves to make moves. And I love that John Mosaic doesn't do that. You've seen the Mariners get worse this offseason. You haven't seen the Cardinals do that. And the Cardinals probably had a better argument to get worse this offseason than the Mariners did. The Cardinals were definitely closer to tearing it down than the Mariners were. And now you've seen the Mariners in the span of, what, three and a half months trade away Seawald and Eugenio Suarez. And now they've traded away Jared Kelenic. And it's like, all, all the complaining that Cardinals fans want to do, you at least have a GM that isn't making moves just to make moves. And I, mean, I, I like that. Jerry Depoto wants to give me George Kirby for Dylan Carlson. <laughs> I will uh, I'll think about it. We'll even love- take on Robbie Ray's contract. We'll take money from you. Who cares? That's crazy. Yeah, that'd be nice. Well, they might sign Snell, I guess. That would make a little bit of sense. But like, it's just as nice that John Mosaloc seems to really think through all of the moves that he makes. It seems like this front office is very, very deliberate. And yes, sometimes they screw up. We know that we know that very well. And we're reminded of it every time it happens for years and years and years. Um, but his record is, Do you know, the Dodgers gave up Jordan Alvarez. I forgot about that. Every no one ever talks about for Josh oh, Fields. They don't talk about it. And then they'll sit here and tell us about how Adolis Garcia is the best baseball player in the world when he's like a 110 OPS plus guy. And he probably wouldn't even start in our current outfield, but I digress. I just, yeah. Mosaloc deserves a lot more credit than he gets. He probably is going to be a Hall of Famer. And if he's able to turn this around, that might even cement his case. Yeah. I think it's fair to like, it's really like, it's a league. What have you done for me lately? It's a world of what you've done for me lately. And sure, like, uh, again, I think it's overblown sometimes what Mosaloc's done, but, or how bad it's been lately, but it has been worse lately. And you probably would favor the front half of his career as the Cardinals executive than current or the most recent stuff. So I, I I get that, and it's really easy to be frustrated about it all. And <clears throat> again, I don't necessarily fully agree with how he's gone about revamping the pitching staff this offseason, but he's doing it, and I think they've learned from some of their mistakes. Um, and I I think it's interesting because there's clearly a leadership change already happening, and so I, I I'm curious at times about how much of like what is the future of this organization going to look like in in three or four years under randy flores or michael gersh or whoever takes control or someone else like are we going to be like really excited about the direction it's heading in or are people going to look back and mosaic's going to be with the organization in a different role he's going to be just be raised up to a non-baseball operations type role um 
that are people going to kind of miss when he's in charge of things? Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Maybe the grass is greener. Maybe there's better days to come, but um, we'll see what happens with all that. Yeah. So I think uh, this has been a fun chat. We've got a lot of people still in here, which is awesome. Thank you for coming out, guys. Um, and gals, everyone who showed it up tonight. Um, again, I want to just plug real quick um, the membership program on our YouTube channel that just started up as well. So again, if you hop on our YouTube channel, usually it's an app, but it's easier to find on the web browser. If you can't, you go to the main channel page, you go up by the subscribe button, there's a join. There's three tiers of membership. All of them include access to our Discord where me, Sandy, and Andrew are in there all the time. You could just shoot us messages and chat with other fans in there. We're building a community to build, talk about Cardinal Baseball get our takes on things. And as you go up tiers, there's different access points like um, requesting Redbird Rant articles from us. So asking us to write up on stuff that you want to know about, you want more information on. Um, there's other kinds of perks as well. So if you want to join that, that's awesome. And then again, this month, we're going to do a giveaway with that. So at the end of the month, for anyone who joins as a member during this first month, we'll give away some merch as well. So you can look forward to that. Um, Again, please like and subscribe. If you haven't liked the stream already, please do that. I think we've got 27 on it right now, which is awesome. But if you can like it, it just helps us get it out to more Cardinal fans and um, helps our streams do really well, which is awesome. Um, and subscribe if you're not already so you can continue to get more content from us. Um, seriously, thank you guys for this. Um, obviously, if you got in late, I've seen some people say that the stream will be posted to our channels. You can go back and re-listen to things. And we'll be live on Sunday again. We're going to have... Um, an uh, Avengers JD. level, um, Avengers <laughs> level uh, the, crossover. The Avengers crossover. Uh, we're gonna have JD um, over from the Lockdown Cardinals podcast. I go over there um, probably once every other week and hang out with JD. So it's a really fun time. So you guys can hop on over on Sunday, ask questions of JD, but also chat with us as we go through. Um, but yeah, seriously, thank you again. Become a member if you want to be a part of this community even further and continue to build up um, what we're doing over here at the New News Podcast. Please like and subscribe if you haven't already. We're so thankful for you guys for joining us. Again, Tyler O'Neill is a Boston Red Sox. Um, what a world we is, live in. <laughs> what a world we live in. I don't know if I would have thought that. And breaking news, Shahi has not signed with anyone. So I'm going to see. Breaking news. He's not on a plane. Let's just...